1360, The Answer. Dan and Kristen McQuarrie, former Chicago Tribune editorial page editor, in frame me this morning. And I love this ProPublica story that was, of course, run in Crane Chicago Business, the anti-business business magazine, news magazine. ProPublica, yellow journalists, generally speaking. They, they, they do some good work, but they're... They are a nonprofit, and they don't have to disclose who funds them. Oh, that, so, which they find offensive about other nonprofit you, entities that don't have to disclose. You might have some familiarity yeah, with that. Yeah, it's interesting, huh? Yeah. It's interesting. But imagine that, uh, men and women of the left, for me but not for thee on these topics. That's so surprising. Well, this story is about uh, the Trump tax cuts. Of course they're talking about them because they're trying to make the ground fertile for Biden tax increases. And so... The uh, fat cats uh, made out so well uh, under the Trump tax cuts and what they call a loophole. It was a law. It's not a loophole. People took advantage of an aspect of the law. Well, that's why it was written that way. So uh, you have policymakers that uh, whether they're doing the thinking or they're allowing somebody to do the thinking for them, you elected them to make these decisions. They made these decisions. Now you're going to blame people for responding to the incentives presented in the law. That's what yellow journalists do. Well, one of the things they zeroed in on is CEO pay. Of course they did. Because under Trump, uh, the tax uh, law, the tax relief law, taxes on profits from certain types of businesses were cut more significantly than the rate on salaries those businesses paid out. And so here's what happened. You saw CEOs take a cut in formal pay because the incentive is on company profits, right? Where you get the tax relief. And uh, one of the CEOs they focus on is David McNeil of WeatherTech. Uh, he, uh, his, uh, comp went from, uh, 68 million in 17 to 47 million in 2018 after the Trump tax relief was passed. And um, they they get after him uh, as his the company's exposure dropped, I think, 11 percent. It was reported in this piece. He said, uh, you want me investing in my country, my fellow Americans get out of my pocket. He went on to say, according to ProPublica's report in text messages that followed. That uh, a ProPublica reporter didn't understand the real world, that it was time for that reporter to grow up and get a real job. I so stipulate on both counts. Then he said, break it up any way you want. You saw there, what you saw there was a half billion dollars in investment with your own eyes that WeatherTech made back into the company because of the relief that was provided. You know, their money reinvesting into the company. Oh, by the way. And he went on to say, we've paid hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes since 2012. How much have you paid? Chump change for sure. Enjoy. I wish more CEOs had the... Uh, chutzpah, uh, if you will, of uh, David McNeil over at WeatherTech to tell reporters and just the general public of where to get off. People who've built and or uh, run massive companies that create massive amounts of wealth for massive amounts of people. But, and, and but they're the massive, bad guys. And pay massive, and pay massive taxes. taxes. Right. Of course, we know the top 1% pay 40% of all income taxes. The top 10% pay 75%. So it's always the question that should be put back to anyone you're having this conversation with. So that's not fair. What's fair? 
numbers, please. Specifics. Throw property taxes in there, too. No kidding. I mean, especially in Cook County. Uh, for more on this and other matters economic, we're pleased to be joined again by James L. Perry. He is the senior vice president and partner at Arbor Research. Jim, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Good morning, Dan. Thank you. Um, what about, uh, you know, I mean, you've, I'm sure, uh, paid attention to these um, phony baloney debates about CEO pay that happen every time there's either a proposal for a tax hike, tax hike or a tax cut. And uh, so this is the latest. But in terms of the impact of, of the Trump tax cuts, as the CEO of WeatherTech was saying, this allowed me to invest half a billion dollars into my company, which makes my company uh, better and bigger, meaning I'm employing more people. I thought that was what you wanted me to do. Right. Uh, I was listening to your earlier comments just before I came on, and uh, you're absolutely right. And it just made me think that, you know, it just is another chapter in the sad sort of narrative that, you know, free market capitalism is under siege. You know, this, this administration doesn't think economically. They think in terms of redistribution of wealth. And uh, there's no even pretension that it makes any sense. It's just attack, attack, attack. And um, I somehow I think of a pendulum, you know, I think it's, 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 swinging very, very rapidly and vibrating madly. But I just have a feeling that sometime toward uh, the election, this thing's going to have to swing back a little bit because it's ruining the country. <laughs> well, it, you know, staying on this topic of business, so I want to get your reaction to this. I thought this was an interesting piece because it, it clearly comes from the left, but it's a position that I think many on the center-right have too, which why it may, makes it interesting. It's, a, it's a, a, again, a prediction of the collapse of small business or actually right. suggestion that small business is collapsing. The author is essentially looks at consolidation across sector. He writes firm entry, firm entry rate has declined. Young businesses are vanishing and the biggest companies are exploding all of all the trends, which were exacerbated during the pandemic. And he focuses on consolidation. 10 banks control 54% of financial assets. The four mobile carriers control 98% of mobile services market. Uh, four airlines control two thirds of the travel market. This is the story of the 21st century U S economy. And he suggests that this consolidation, and if you believe him crowding out of small businesses, um, you know, is bad for the country. And I think he would make an argument that again, many on the center right would make that, you know, that sort of corporate consolidation, these behemoths combined with the political ruling class and consul in, in collaboration with one another. And we have, uh, uh, an oligarchy more than we have a representative republic. That's exactly right. I mean, um, that article was a very, very good one, and it focused uh, largely on consumer products, right? So this was sort of right craft uh, and General Foods and Nestle and this sort of stuff. And these these companies control you know massive amounts of brands that come into to people's homes. Uh, so it's a very good indication. But you know, to your point, ten banks, the telecoms, the airlines. But if you think about the technology part of that, I mean, first of all, it's the media is controlled by about six companies. In technology, mm -hmm. if you look at the FANG stocks, you know, sort of Amazon, Microsoft, uh, Google, uh, Apple, Twitter, these companies control really all the news as well, right? And it's not just technology, but pharma and energy. And to your point about small businesses, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, when you asked me to come on, and I was thinking about Amazon. 
And it's quite clear to to everybody who's listening to you today that, you know, Main Street America has been destroyed by Amazon. And the reason Amazon was so successful, even 15 years ago, 20 years ago, was that, first of all, they weren't even profitable, right? They were just, they figured out a way through technology to slash the costs of everything that came out of anybody's store, right? Mom and pop stores, bookstores, wine stores, uh, boutiques, you name it. So the first 15 years of its existence, Amazon didn't even make any money, right? Their model was slash costs and, and capture market share and dominate consumer goods. And in the process, without ever making any money, they destroyed the net worth of, you know, millions of small business owners, right? They destroyed their livelihood. They eliminated uh, their net worth. And really, more importantly, back to the tax story, they eliminated a significant, significant tax base. And uh, somehow the government didn't figure out that maybe this was not a good thing. They just kind of let it happen. So it's 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 frightening and it's sad. Well, but aren't those the... Um you know, the creative gales of destruction to borrow from Schumpeter. I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen in a market economy. And that's, that's, you know, it's unfortunate for those on the losing side uh, one day, but who could be on the winning side tomorrow. Um, so is it, is it uh, so much about Amazon or is it uh, as a model, as a company, or is it more about um, sort of the rent seeking behavior, the, the, the size of government that uh, big companies have access to, to sort of, carve out uh, special rules and special deals for them. So it's actually not uh, government not doing enough. It's government that's doing too much. That sets up a system where the biggest players can exercise the biggest leverage over the one entity that has a monopoly of force and rig the system for themselves. That's exactly right. I mean, I think government is uh, implicit in this for sure. They, they are allowing the Microsofts of the world, um, and the Googles of the world and the Apples of the world to continue to maintain uh, not only their presence, but increase their dominance over the commerce of this country. Uh, I read something this week that said in this new infrastructure bill, um, the five big tech stocks got an $800 billion tax break to build data farms on their own property. And they're going to get a tax break for that. Right. So $800 billion. Now, this is government saying, Go ahead, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Destroy small businesses. Use all your algorithms and your artificial intelligence and make sure that you can deliver product and content and banking and pharmaceutical and healthcare and education services to the people you want over your services, and we'll, we'll help you guys do that. So it really is. It's about, it's about the domination of the government slash technology companies and big players to continue to exert their control over free market capitalism. But they also, at least here, <clears throat> there's a story again in, um, in our Cranes business publication from Greg Hines, columnist, pointing to Amazon in the far south suburbs of Chicago, tiny little town of Moni, 5,000 people, is, is reaping the benefits of an Amazon facility to the tune of more than a million dollars in sales tax revenue compared to a neighboring town, Crete, which um, in total took in about $140,000 in tax revenue in a year. So they want, to, they want to talk about dominance of places like Amazon, but now they're addicted to the money. And even a tiny little community like Moni is just you know, rolling in cash from sales tax revenue. Right. 
Well, you know, when you get these big sort of investments in, in small parts of the world that become huge parts of their economies, you know, you get these distortions. And I think that the real aggregate story here is that, you know, technology is about cutting costs, right? So um, the speed with which technology propagates really depends on the cost of capital. And these guys have a lot of it. And if they're going to uh, put down roots in small little towns like that, that's great. But, you know, who loses on that, right? It's, it's really more and more people that sold things in every store and every main street and every suburb of, uh, of Chicago and around the country. So net-net, I'm glad for that little town down there. But, you know, think of all the other ones that are going to lose because of it. It's a, it's a distortion. Uh, I wanted to get your reaction to uh, Jay Powell this week saying uh, you're going to have to ease back on some of the asset purchases we've been doing uh, with inflation running at five and a half percent. And the market did not react well to that with that. It was that a trial balloon by Powell and when he thinks he can uh, stop uh, the quantitative easing uh, 4.0 or is it. Um, is it a real indication that the uh, we're starting to wind down the party and we'll see what happens? That's a very good question. And um, it needs a very good answer. And I think I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, I read the minutes of the FOMC meeting and um, I didn't see anything in there that told me that he's changed his view. Now, you know, the news didn't say that and wall street didn't say that, but the, Jerome Powell knows that to have an economy that's going to be growing, you have to have an asset base in, in, in real assets, which is stocks and real estate, that doesn't go down very far because that's where people spend the money. And, you know, to your point about all these people paying taxes, you're right. 61% of the taxpayers paid zero and the top 1% paid something like 28%, right? So, and the top 20 paid something like 80%. So, the GDP of this country is about 70% consumer spending. And if that goes down by 5%, GDP is going to be negative. And it will certainly do that if the stock market comes down by 25% or something like that. So I think Powell's absolutely right. I don't believe interest rates are going up. Uh, can they reduce the purchases of treasury bonds? They might be able to because there's a surplus of cash in the banks, right? I mean, you've got $5 trillion of excess reserves sitting in the banking system right now. And furthermore, you've got, you know, a trillion dollars a day going into the Fed's reverse repo uh, facility that's paying them, you know, uh, a half a basis point. So, or five, five one hundredths of a basis point. So I think that it's really about liquidity. I think that the liquidity is going to be there because the Federal Reserve knows that the financial markets need that liquidity. And if you look around the world right now, global money supply, M2 growth, has rolled over. It's down 10% in the last kind of three months. And that's liquidity coming out of all the central banks. So, you know, G10, China, you name it. And I think that uh, it's not a surprise to see that, you know, as that has happened, you have had a tremendous sell-off in a lot of this stuff that has really needed liquidity. Um, you know, lumber is at a 13-month low, iron ore, eight-month low, copper, three-month low, oil, three-month low. And meanwhile, treasury yields are year, uh, nearing a uh, six-month low, right? And all the time, the dollar's up uh, to a, to a nine-month high. So 
the market realizes that the financial system needs liquidity. And I think that if Jerome Powell talks in Jackson Hole this week, right, coming up next week here, um, about anything that suggests that the liquidity is going to come under the financial system, the stock market's going to go down 10% in a week. And, uh, and he knows that because it's happened, it's happened before. Mm-hmm. So for them to, to risk that, I, I think, would be foolhardy because they're going to have to reverse it. They're going to have to come out and say, don't worry, the Fed's got your back and we'll do whatever it takes to make sure everybody's happy. And they've been doing that for 30 years. They can't stop now, not with all this debt. He is Jim Perry, Senior Vice President and Partner at Arbor Research. Jim, thanks as always. Appreciate it. You bet, Dan. Thanks a lot for having me. And you joined us on the Turnkey.Provincial line. If you're talking about it, Dan and Amy are talking about it. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Meet Tim. Hey, what's up? He's the person you hired for your digital marketing. And when he's done battling aliens on his PS5 in his parents' basement, he'll get right to work. Now, meet the team at Salem Surround. What's Hi. Up? Hi. These are the people who are passionate about your success and will work 24-7 to deliver real customers to you and your business. Why would you trust your digital marketing to one person when you can hire a whole team? Get nationwide experience, resources, and results. Learn more about Salem's. 